Hi, hello. This is Josh Bo, one of the many editors over at MavsMoneyBall.com, coming to you with an evening edition of Mavs Moneyball After Dark after an afternoon Mavericks game, much to the chagrin of working adults like me and Kirk uh, in the middle of a pandemic. And Kirk is also working and being a teacher and being a father. So not the most convenient time for a game, but hey, we, we find a way. Uh, Kirk is with me. Mavericks beat the Kings 114, uh, 110. The the streak is over. The Mavericks finally get a win in the NBA restart bubble. And for about four the first 40 minutes or so of this game, I was fully prepared for us to have some sort of apocalyptic podcast post-game podcast. But uh, what do you know? The Mavericks pulled it out. Uh, I guess Kirk, you know, I'll I'll hit it to you for your quick thoughts, but I feel like that, you know. All roads lead to Luca with this game because that was one of the best games, I think, of his career. It's pretty exciting in the sense that, you know, there have been instances over the two previous losses in the overtime game against and and then really in the collapse against the the Suns where Luca looked I don't say disinterested, but he looked tired. He was passing the ball off. He was not playing the role of the hero which I wish he could, I wish he would, but, you know, things don't necessarily work out that way. And for the second, you know, two overtime games out of three is pretty ridiculous. And for him to do what needed to be done is the sort of, if if you're telling like a narrative of the Dallas Mavericks, this is one of those games where I hope we can look down the line and say that was the game where Luca realized he had to, despite how much he does, he had to do more. Because that second half from him, he did a lot of things he doesn't necessarily do. Uh, he played defense, for example. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it might, it. it might have been his best defensive performance as a Maverick. You know, I again, you were cracking me up earlier today because you're just like, they're playing the Kings, which I get, but I think the Kings are held back by their coaching staff a lot more than their talent. So that Luca was able to do so many different kinds of things and be impactful both in the the box score, but also in like the eye test is really, it, it was good to see. We needed it, frankly. Yeah, and I believe he's the first non-big to have a 30-20 game since Oscar Robertson in like 1965. And I know Ooh. we get really crazy with some of these Lucas stats like, oh, he's the first 19-year-old to score 34 points in April. And but like this one is like that's you know, 30-20 as a wing when you're 21 years old, like that doesn't really need any qualifiers. Like that's yeah. That's nuts. And that goes the the rebounds that goes back to kind of what you were saying about, you know, it wasn't just scoring. It wasn't just passing. It was defense. Uh, it was rebounding. It was kind of like you said, he did what the team, he did everything like the team needed everything and he gave them everything. Right. Uh, it, it was another game where they were getting absolutely nothing for most of the game now toward the end of the game they, they did step up maybe we can get that a little bit but for the first 40 minutes or so of this game they were getting nothing like outside of luca and outside of a little bit of 
a little bit of Porzingis. Uh, I, Dorian Finney-Smith ended up with a fantastic line, but for the first three quarters, he was nothing. Uh, Maxi Kleba hit a huge three late, but before that, he was, I mean, nothing. You know, Justin Jackson, 17 minutes, three points. Uh, DeLon Wright, 17 minutes, zero points. J.J. Brea, 14 minutes, one point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Trey, Trey Burke, 24 minutes, seven points. It was another, it was very eerily similar to the Phoenix game where Luca and KP combined for 70 and then everyone else crapped their pants. And we were very much on the verge of that, uh, except KP fouled out uh, in the fourth quarter. So he didn't get a chance to get to 30 points, but he still had 22 and seven. Um, so it was, it was looking like another one of those games. And then I, I tweeted this earlier. It was like, it's the thing that we saw with Dirk once Dirk became an alpha and he knew he was an alpha where he would just be like, you know what? Fuck this. Uh, we're going to win this game. I don't want to lose. And he would yep. just go on a run. He would not miss a shot. He would grab boards. He would be maybe a little bit more energetic on the defensive end. Uh, and that's what I saw from Luca. And that's like one of the first times I've seen this from Luca. And that's like you said, if we look back on this game, maybe this, maybe tonight, today's game could be like a moment. I, I don't know, but. It, that'd be fun to think about. So one of the weird subplots of how basketball is played now is you run into these games where team field goal percentage is just terrible. Where if a team like the Mavericks or the Rockets shoot like 53s, but they only hit 10 and then they only shoot like 30 other shots and then they only hit 20, like they're shooting under 40% frequently. Like it happens enough to where you're paying attention to it and friend of the site uh father former contributor uh jeff cooperstein voice of the mavs chuck cooperstein has been sharing this stat all season long he and i argue all the time but this is one thing where he and i are just like what in the world is happening prior to today the mavericks had lost 49 straight games when shooting under 40 percent from the floor now you might sit there and go, well, duck, they're, they're shooting terribly. But at a certain point, you get into a rock fight, and there's just these chances where teams, you know, you come out ahead one way or the another, and the Mavericks lost in, in like, comically bad. Like, this sort of percentage, is, it's, it's hard to contextualize, really, how hard it is to do this many games in a row when there's, like, with the, the volume of basketball that's played. The Mavericks shot 36.7% today and won. Uh, the last time that they shot under 40% and won a basketball game was November of 2016, which was a long time ago. (laughs) And I just, I'm blown away by that particular stat in relation to, to what they did, because that was it. I mean, I'm glad they won. It's important that they won. It fixes nothing, but I'm glad that they won. And it, it they needed they needed that win, and so it's just I just I sit here kind of in awe about what happened. Yeah, all. and that stat, as mind boggling as it is, when you consider where the team's been and where their weaknesses have been since they've started to turn it around with the drafting of Luca, it makes like it's both inconceivable and also believable in like yeah. the same way. Because when you look at this team and this roster this year. Uh, and last year, you know, less, you know, more slack last year since it was rookie Luca's rookie season. But 
you look at this team and they're very they're very one dimensional. Um, mm-hmm. They shoot the second most threes per game in the league, and they make a decent percentage. They're like they're I think entering the bubble they were eighth. I very much doubt that they're eighth right now. Uh, after tonight, I don't know if, if they've missed enough to, to affect the percentage, but uh, that was their that's their game. They built a roster with two stars and surrounded that roster with, for the most part with complimentary standstill spot up guys outside of you know a Dwight Powell or a, a Boban, um, and these guys are expected to you know play off of Luca, play off of KP, hit spot up shots, and maybe at most use the the space that Luca creates and maybe, you know, like Tim Hardaway Jr. was pretty good about this in the midseason about, you know, using one dribble, tack a closeout and score. But the rest of the roster is not necessarily equipped to do that outside of him. Uh, so when the threes aren't falling, this is what happens. They don't have a ton of great defenders. You know, they don't have a dominant rebounder. You know, they don't have, they don't have a turnover inducing style of play. Like they can't, all of this, they're not going to all of a sudden switch into a team that is trapping the pick and roll and trying to create havoc because they just don't do that. They're very, they're a pretty conservative defense, all things considered. So this is the team. Like they got to hit threes because if they're not hitting threes, it's not like Dorian Finney-Smith is going to be like, I got this and start running pick and rolls. Ooh. It's not like DeLon Wright's going to all of a sudden change into a, a 20 point per game scorer when Luka doesn't have it. Like that's just not what these guys do. Uh, so they have to hit threes, and that's why they keep shooting him because they don't have another switch to flip. That's what the team is built around. That's what these guys do. So this was nice to see in the sense that they finally won a game where they weren't hitting their threes, and they won the game in another way. And it was Luca taking over, not settling for threes, and it was seemingly the buy-in of the rest of the roster, maybe following Luca's lead. You know, if Luca's playing defense like this, maybe everyone else is like, I got to step it up. And maybe that's what happened because it was a very much locked in defensive performance for the fourth quarter and overtime, the likes of which we don't see a lot of out of this team uh, very often. So I've been screwing around. You and I, before the show started, um, we're talking about how funny the NBA kind of advanced stats and even traditional stats pages with stuff. I finally, while you were talking, I I really got into the filters and I'm looking at traditional stats over games played from Thursday to today, which is basically, you know, the restart of the bubble. The Dallas Mavericks are shooting 42% from the floor, which is good for 21st out of 22 qualifying teams, which now here's now here's the only thing that's more incredible than that, because that's really not that surprising considering what we've seen. What team would you guess is the worst shooting team in the league? Hmm. It's a it's well, an outstanding team, by the way. Uh, You're never going to guess it. I don't know. I've, I'm gonna I'm gonna reveal that I have not watched too much basketball outside of the, the Mavericks since the bubble started. So hit me. The Los Angeles Lakers. Ooh, that does not track based on what I've seen from them because they've been mowing like it. Oh gosh, but yeah. it, it does track because like the Mavericks, they've been shooting really terribly from three because the Mavericks for in three point range over three games are the 18th best shooting team in the league at just under 30%. And that's sort of what we've seen here, which kind of goes to where, you know, the things that I wanted to talk about next, because 
it's good that Lucas showed out. It's, you know, you wrote about this in your lineups piece today. There was a game like it was like the third or fourth, maybe like second game of the season. I remember when the Mavericks played the Nuggets and Luca looked terrible and the bench dragged him to a victory. It was an incredible yeah. game. This was almost the polar opposite of that. And instead, in three games in Orlando, we have the role players for the Mavericks are performing well below their season averages like to the point to where they're either going to get absolutely destroyed for the remainder of this bubble or they will regress to the mean and a like like i think it's called a positive regression as much as i hate that term in stats in a way that one game they're 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 going to score like 170 points because they have guys and and, and do you mind if i go through some of the stuff that no. i was talking about no, so, let's do it. Ma- Maxi Kleba is shooting 36% from the floor, 22% from three. Tim Hardaway, 34% from the floor, 32% from three. Dorian Finney-Smith looking like the guy that I thought he might have been in the preseason. 29% from the floor, 27% from three. DeLon Wright, 27% from the floor, 20% from three. Justin Jackson, 20% from the floor, 25% from three. J.J. Barea, 0% from the floor, 0% from three. <laughs> like, the Mavericks role players, outside of Trey Burke, Luka Doncic, and Chris Porzingis, and then even to a lesser degree, Seth Curry, are terrible. So that, in a nutshell, explains why they've been one and two. You know, Luka's shooting something hysterical, like 48% from the floor. He's, he's three of 18 for three. <laughs> yeah, that's that's um, about right. But you know he's shooting eighty percent from the line. He's got a lot going for him. There's some there's some positive things. Man, bro has twenty turnovers to thirty three assists. He's got to figure that out. Um, anyhow, like that that's just that's just where we are right now. I the yeah, they got to make sure. Yeah, and uh, the thing is, is it's small sample size, but it's also there's not a lot of games left. Like. Maybe, you know, we can be like, well, they haven't played a lot of games. Well, there's five more left and then it's the playoffs. So there's there's no benefit of the doubt in terms of, well, give them a week. They can turn, you know, give them a week, see what they shoot then. Like, there's just not that much time left. So they got to figure it out really, really quick. Um, and, yeah, it's discouraging. That's why I wrote the thing that I wrote the drop today about, you know, it's Luca and KP surrounded by a bunch of role players. And when they're on, the team looks great. But the thing about role players is the reason why they're role players and not stars is because they're not as good. And they're maybe whether that's a lack of production, less production or less consistent production. So it, it if when they're off, it's, it's bad. Uh, and I just don't know what else to say. They just, they're, the offense is generating pretty decent looks. I I actually thought today against the Kings, like the crunch time offense looked a lot better. And, and granted, it's the Kings defense, so that helps. But like there was some, there was movement. Most of the shut threes they took, I thought were good threes and were relatively open and, and within the flow of the offense. They just missed. And we can go back and forth and be like, ah, you know, make or miss league, you know, look, you know, what have you, but like you know, there's, there's gotta be something, a deeper discussion to that because you can say make or miss alt league or whatever, all you want. But if you lose in four or five games in the playoffs, 
Like you can't just go into the next season and be like, ah, oh, we're good. You know, we'll, we'll shoot better next time. Or, you know, like there's going to eventually have to be that discussion about some of these guys in terms of not saying that they need to go away. Cause I love having these guys on this team just in terms of, can we still keep these guys and make an upgrade or something like that? Mm-hmm. Uh, but like I said, I don't want to get too much into off season talk, but I just don't know what else to talk about because like, it's as simple as the role players aren't hitting shots. Like that's well, what's got to change. I know what I want to talk about because okay. outside. So big picture, these bubble games as a whole for the NBA have been absolutely incredible. And I'm not sure. I, I know you probably know the results, but did, did you see what happened with Phoenix and, and uh, the Clippers today? Yeah. Yeah. I saw Devin Booker make a buzzer beater for the win over Kawhi or over Paul George. So my question then becomes, so the Mavericks and Clippers play Thursday. They play Thursday at, is that real? 6.30 p.m. Eastern? That's not a time. What are we doing here? Ugh. Okay, apparently they play like dinner time on Thursday, which is just, you know, stellar TV watching time. And I'm going to be very interested to see if the Clips play everybody. Uh, Montrezl Harrell has been missing games for personal time. They've been struggling with that there. Uh, Lou Williams is, you know, still doing his Lou Williamsy thing. I'm going to be curious if Paul George and Kawhi Leonard both suit up for this game. I mean, the standings is of such to where the Clippers have a pretty firm, eh, no, I guess that's not true. They only have a one game grip uh, of the two seed over the, the Nuggets. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what Dallas does because as much as they're not really, they're, they're pretty firmly stuck in the seven seed, but beating the Clippers actually gives them a better chance of not playing the Clippers uh, in the playoffs. It's there's still that chance for, for Denver to overtake them which is is just one of those things that I really want to keep an eye on. So I'm I'm going to be curious to see what what news comes out of Clipperdom in the next couple of days because they're a curious franchise when it comes to that stuff. Yeah, and I wonder if it's obvious that the Mavericks and the Clippers are going to play each other like if they're going to play a bubble game later this week and then they're going to play a playoff series mm-hmm. before the month's over or, or what have you. Are they going to show their, like, are Doc and Rick going to be a little cautious in terms of showing their hands? Yeah. For for the Clippers, I think they have more wiggle room to do this. For the Mavericks, like, they don't, like, what are you going to do? Play Antonius Cleveland and Josh Reeves 35 minutes? Because they're just so shorthanded. There's almost nothing, you know, they almost have to play guys. So I don't don't know. I'm just curious if that's going to come into play at all, if they kind of know they're locked into a first round match matchup if they just don't want to give everything away uh to get more give more tape for scouting purposes it's it's really interesting because that that's just one of the things i've been curious about curious about kind of the entire bubble process so that's that's something to keep a lookout for but you know past that you're right there's not there's not a ton to talk about you know we at mavsmoneyball.com and our internal discussions have been talking more future thinking I am reluctant to cover that just because I don't want to I don't want to write the same 10 articles across you know for the next several you know like 80 days 90 days however month it is but 
you know, we're just getting to this point where it's, you don't want to berate the team for what they are. And there's a lot of things that have happened the last several months for the team to end up where they are right now and, and rehashing it. Like it's one thing when I'm, you know, angry at the end of a game and calling everybody stupid, which, you know, you are, um, but <laughs> it, it's, this is, it's just kind of different because it's, you know, we got, we got five games left of bubble action and I want to, I want to like appropriately enjoy the basketball because, you know, Lord knows when the season might actually start next year, but I also want to kind of be realistic about what we're watching. I think we've kind of split the difference pretty well. It's just like when I, I'm still staring at those shooting numbers, I'm like, ah, yes, <laughs> this is the problem. This is the problem that Boban Marjanovic is shooting better percentage wise uh, uh, from three. Well, I guess no, from free throw. He's one of three from oh, man, some of these, some of these small sample size stats are just going to blow my mind. Anyhow. Yeah. I'll stop talking. Uh, so, yeah. Did Did you like? Uh, I think they missed three free throws in the fourth quarter, and I swear they, for moments of that fourth quarter before Luca kind of won the game, I swear I thought there it was like going to be the Rockets game all over again, or the like. It was what I think the Mavericks in the last six minutes scored six points, and the Kings scored two. Yeah, like <laughs> definitely two teams trying to grab something, grab a win by the by the throat there. Uh, it's incredible. It's incredible. <laughs> it was a weird game, but I'm just, I, you know, we can't say enough about Luca's demeanor. And I think you hit it on, you hit the nail on the head was his body language and his, like I said, his demeanor, I think was different today than it was in the Phoenix and the Houston game. Even when he was rolling in the Phoenix game and playing well in the Houston game, I know, I, I think I said this in the pod, something looked like off. Uh, he looked dialed, like 100% dialed in today. It was a different. It was just different. They need it. They need it very much. Yeah. Thanos, I'll do it myself. At yeah. the end of uh, whatever was that? Uh, that was the first Avengers movie, I think. I don't know. Yeah, I think so. Or the second. Oh, well. Is there anything else you want to get to, Kirk? I don't know. I I, I kind of feel like I've I've run through what I wanted to get to before we get out of here. Oh man, we're in a great place. All right. Well, then let's let's just end it here. We'll be back against uh, after the Clippers game. Later this week, check out the site. We'll definitely have plenty of stuff up between now and then. So this is Josh and for Kirk. Thank you guys for listening. This is Maz Moneyball After Dark, and we will talk to you next time.